0: You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on PING.TV. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard. My name is Dustin Gold. And you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. All right, folks, let's continue here. Paragraph 163, we're in the middle of that. It says the system may become a unitary monolithic organization, or it may be more or less fragmented and consist of a number of organizations coexisting in a relationship that includes elements of both cooperation and competition just as today the government the corporations and other large organizations both cooperate and compete with one another think about this this is 28 years ago he's essentially describing what came to be known as the public private partnership you know put out by trump during land the high school theater production folks it's the public private partnership, unbelievable, great people working together, so fantastic, the public and the private, ladies and gentlemen, coming together, doing great things together, unbelievable, public and private, private and public, so fantastic, other people have said this, I have never said this, but other people, other people have said public and private, so beautiful, so incredible, let's jab people, so great, let's do it, goes on to say human freedom mostly will have vanished because individuals in small groups will be impotent vis-a-vis large organizations armed with super technology and an arsenal of advanced psychological and biological tools for manipulating human beings besides instruments of surveillance and physical coercion, right? There'll be a police force and military, but think about it. What's the super technology that has come about since this paper was written in 1995? Well, number one, let's say the internet, folks. I looked this up yesterday, actually. 1992 is when the internet started becoming available in homes via AOL dial-up. And you used to get this CD, you put it in your computer, the CD-ROM, and it it loaded AOL. And then basically there was uh, the equivalent of, you remember the old uh, calling cards you could pre-buy? from Costco or gas stations and you'd use them at the payphone and you'd buy, I don't know what it would cost, 10 cents a minute or something instead of a quarter at the payphone. Well, they had these cards and you would plug the number into your AOL uh, software that you'd uh, open via the CD and you would be able to access the internet. So 92 uh, internet wasn't widely in homes until the late 90s early 2000s so one the internet major piece of super technology connects everyone up whether you realize it or not you are connected now to the matrix and then the other is smartphones you know we talk about microchips and hands in the chip and head chips and everything else but really we go out and we buy the smartphone for between a thousand and two thousand dollars whether you're buying it in cash or you're breaking it up on over 24, 36, or 48 payments to T-Mobile, AT&T, or Verizon. And then you're giving these guys at least $100 a month to be connected to the system. So that's super technology that has, uh, as he says, arsenal of advanced psychological and biological tools. Well, the psychological tools, that is the... uh, Uh, personalized, choose-your-own-adventure feedback loop that I've explained to you here, everything you're doing while you're interacting with the Internet, and then the biological tools for manipulating human beings. That's the poisoning of the air, of the water, of the foods, of the soil. Oh, yeah, constantly under attack. And then if you're part of the Rockefeller Medical Industrial Complex, you're loaded up on pharmaceuticals. If you're going out and buying government pot and psychedelics, if you're drinking yourself to death because you're depressed. I mean, again, I'm not judging you folks. I'm just saying this is the reality of what we're living under right now. Goes on to say only a small number of people will have any real power. And even these probably will have only very limited freedom because their behavior too, will be regulated, just as today, again, this is 1995, our politicians and corporation executives can retain their positions of power only as long as their behavior remains within certain fairly narrow limits. And as you know now, a lot of these corporation executives are installed by or under the control of, you know, BlackRock, Vanguard, State Street that are essentially answering to Bank for International Settlements. So that's how they're controlling the executives and the boards of directors All right, folks, are these companies, that's how they take control of these companies, and then we know the politicians, you know, they get money funneled into their packs, their super packs, their 501c4s, their campaigns, and um, they are the salesmen. They are the used car salesmen that go out there, and they do the WWE wrestling stuff, and at this point, they're not even good at it. I mean, back in the day when they dressed up in suits and they looked like statesmen and they went out there on the stage. You, sir, uh, when you were governor of Massachusetts, you uh, advocated for a 1% increase in the payroll tax. Well, you, sir, while well, you, you know, I mean, that kind of stuff. But now it's like Fetterman versus Oz. I mean, come on, folks. It, it They actually are WWE characters. At this point, they should just have Like a recreation of Macho Man Randy Savage running against Hulk Hogan. For something, I mean, I mean, we're about to have the Rock run for something, right? I mean, it, it's crazy. Uh, paragraph one hundred and sixty-four. Don't imagine that the systems will stop developing further techniques for controlling human beings and nature once the crisis of the next few decades is over and increasing control is no longer necessary for the system's survival. So, this is talking about the system surviving. Uh, sort of this clash between humanity and the system, right? So if the system survives, it says, don't think that it's actually going to stop trying to scale and grow even once it crushes freedom. And this is why I said the only logical conclusion, the only rational conclusion here is that humans will be engineered out of existence. Those that live will be enslaved until they're engineered out of existence. But the system, especially a technological system, has to continue to grow until it actually actually engulfs everything. Goes on to say on the contrary, once the hard times are over, the system will increase its control over people and nature more rapidly because it will no longer be hampered by difficulties of the kind that is currently experiencing. Survival is not the principal motive for extending control As we explained in paragraphs 87 to 90, technicians and scientists carry on their work largely as a surrogate activity. That is, they satisfy their need for power by solving technical problems. They will continue to do this with unabated enthusiasm, and among the most interesting and challenging problems for them to solve will be those of understanding the human body and mind and intervening in their development. For the, quote, good of humanity, end quote, of course. Now, look at where we are today. I mean, everything I've covered in this show so far, up to episode 136. We've covered all this. Look at the Frankenstein doctors out of the military. Look at all the supposed private sector Frankenstein doctors. Everything is about mind manipulation, uh, body manipulation, DNA hacking, genome splitting. I I mean, all this stuff all about controlling humanity and that's even when they try to sell it to you that they're going to control the human body to prevent a particular disease or something like that it's always about controlling the human body but they sell it to you for the good of humanity even the world economic forum is selling you technocracy for the good of humanity The whole entire climate change hoax to drive us into cbdc is branded for the good of humanity we're going to save the planet we're going to have an inclusive financial system everyone's allowed to get in and of course we're going to force you into it right but that's all for the good of humanity paragraph 165 but suppose on the other hand that the stresses of the coming decades prove to be too much for the system if the system breaks down there may be a period of chaos a quote time of troubles end quote such as those that history has recorded at various epochs in the past it is impossible to predict what would emerge from such a time of troubles but at any rate the human race would be given a new chance The greatest danger is that industrial society may begin to reconstitute itself within the first few years after the breakdown. Certainly, there will be many people, power-hungry types especially, who will be anxious to get the factories running again. Now, again, I mentioned a little earlier, we're going to talk about this soon, Cycle of Civilizations, we'll get into that. But if you could bring things... Back to, let's say, if right now on a scale of 1 to 100, to total technocratic control, we're at a 70. Well, if you can roll that back to a 20, so what? You just bought yourself another 100 years. At least your kid and grandkids can grow up in more freedom. Right, that's, that's how I like to look at things, because you're never going to have a utopia. That's as crazy as the uh, communists, the socialists, the technocratic utopian folks. You're never going to actually have a utopia. But if you can bring yourself back to relative freedom, then it starts to cycle all over again. I think you can do this, but you're obviously going to have to flee the system to get it done. But it's important here, because what he's talking about is if the system breaks down... Right, You're going to have chaos ensue. And this is a little bit about uh, what Jim and I, Wide Awake Jim and I, were talking about today on the phone. That if they orchestrate a uh, financial collapse, there will be chaos. If they orchestrate an electrical grid collapse, there will be chaos. If they're looking to create a purge scenario and risk having themselves killed, then that obviously... Uh, would make a lot of sense. You know, create a situation with a bank run and the next thing you know, people are burning uh, tellers and and bankers in the streets and then they're running up to the corporate offices and throwing people through windows. Uh, I, I mean, that kind of stuff will happen if they orchestrate a scenario like that. Now, could the system break down and collapse by accident? Now, I've thought this through. And it could be a possibility. I'm normally one to believe the guys in power uh, actually have more power than one would believe. But at the same time, I do think mistakes could be made in this. Remember, these guys are waging a war on all of humanity worldwide. That's what it is. We just don't know it. But they're waging a war against us and in war they're going to make mistakes their army are the very people who they're waging war against if you believe that the jab right if you believe the jab is designed to kill people or was designed to hook people up to a system or is it designed to retard people right then what are these guys doing? They're actually waging war against the folks that are helping them build the technocratic system. So for instance, if they end up forcing people, let's say in the government, in the military, the military is their enforcers, they force them to get the jabs. So if they injected all the government workers, uh, all the big tech companies force their employees to do it. So all the programmers, software developers are all getting jabbed up. The military is getting jabbed up. All the cops get. Get jabbed up. So, if all these people within the system that helped the technocrats build the system of control get jabbed up and die or get sick or have chemo brain and they can't help continue to build the infrastructure for the total control system, then they jumped the gun. They jabbed them too soon. They gave them the poison too soon. They should have had them build the whole system and then poisoned them. Right. Wouldn't that make a lot more sense? So there could be mistakes that have been made because if they don't have the worker bees to build the actual system, the system isn't going to be finished. That could actually be a breakdown in the system because of mistakes that they made or because certain pieces of their war strategy were pushed ahead too fast. Like, maybe COVID wasn't supposed to happen when it did. Maybe it was supposed to happen 10 years from now. Who knows? We're never going to know this. I like to think through this stuff, though. So, if they're actually going to kill the people who are their worker bees, then they made a serious mistake because the rest of us are sitting out here going, wait a second, they didn't finish closing the doors of the electronic prison. All right, let's move on. It says, paragraph 166, therefore, two tasks confront those who hate the servitude to which the industrial system is reducing the human race. First, we must work to heighten the social stresses within the system as to increase the likelihood that it will break down or will be weakened sufficiently so that a revolution against it becomes possible. Second, it is necessary to develop and propagate an ideology that opposes technology and the industrial system. Such an ideology can become the basis for a revolution against industrial society if and when the system becomes become sufficiently weakened. And such an ideology will help to assure that if and when industrial society breaks down. Its remnants will be smashed beyond repair so that the system cannot be reconstituted. The factories should be destroyed, technological books burned, etc. Now, I don't know if the factories are going to be destroyed. I don't think most people even know where the supposed factories are. Uh, we moved a lot of them overseas. Maybe that was done on purpose over to China. And the technical books destroyed. I I don't know if that's going to happen. I'd like to have it like the Technocracy Incorporated documents because then we know what the game plans are. I'm glad we were able to find that stuff and it actually wasn't destroyed because we're able to put all the pieces together. But think about this. Someone like myself, who clearly, who clearly, whether I realized or not, was inspired by this paper when I first read it 15 years ago. I'm sitting here preaching to you about the dangers of technology and the technocratic system. Every day I sit here and I preach this. I am helping lead a revolution. The revolution is for you to exit the system as much as possible. That is part of how we break down the system because the more people that get the hell out of the densely populated areas, even leave the suburbs and move into more rural areas, it makes it harder for this system to control all of us because we start exiting the system. If you force the system to have to come to your doorstep with guns, And to bring a war, like an actual hot war not the cold war we're in, but the hot war to your doorstep, you just force the system to have to do something it doesn't want to do, which is to show its true colors. Which is to say, by gunpoint, you're coming into the technocracy whether you like it or not. They don't want to have to do that, folks. We are revolting against the system. At the same time, the system is running a revolution against us. That is what the force industrial revolution is. They are trying to push us further into technocracy before we have the opportunity to say, No, screw your technology. We don't want to be part of it. We're exiting the system. So they're trying to force us one way. We need to push back in the other direction. They can continue to build their tech. You're not going to stop them from building the tech. But if you refuse to interact with it, then you are the revolutionary. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be right back. This is Dust and Gold with the Dust and Gold Standard right here on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to pain.tv slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold, and you are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard. All right, folks, let me give you a little example of this, of uh, pushing back here and heightening the social stresses within the system so as to increase the likelihood that it will break down or be weakened sufficiently. All right, so that a revolution against it becomes possible. Wide Awake Jim was telling me, he was talking to one of these independent uh, coffee shop owners or whatever about their loyalty rewards program, I think. And I'll let him tell the story, but in general, a lot of companies, as you know, they use loyalty rewards, even the small guys. And there's a lot of software as a service companies out there, and I had one for one of my businesses. We were doing a digital loyalty rewards And it worked. It actually worked. We were able to build up a lot of customers this way. But what these companies do is they're charging, let's say, $50 a month for the loyalty reward service. And then they're basically getting a commission. Um, and, and a lot of the uh, affiliate link companies, referral services, so if you're a customer of mine and you refer somebody through your link and they buy something from me, um, and let's say they're getting 10% off and I'm giving you 10% off for your next purchase for referring them, the company that's handling the transaction, they're taking 3%, 4 5% commission even though you're paying them a monthly fee. So Jim started talking to this company. Hey, why don't you guys go back to the old uh, punch card system, get the business cards printed that says buy 10 cups of coffee, get one for free. You know, so those are the type of ways that you revolt against the system. You make people aware, as Jim is doing with small businesses, hey, you're giving up 3.5% to the banks when people use credit cards or debit cards. Hey, you're giving up 20 to 30% to DoorDash, Uber Eats, and the rest of these food delivery companies when you use them, these third-party payment processors. So you start to get people to say they don't want that, disconnect that from their store, or they start saying cash only maria albanese co-host of the thomas Payne podcast was at a restaurant a couple days ago she sent jim and i pictures and they actually had a big sign up cash only it was like a hot dog uh, restaurant that's how you revolt against the system that's how you push back all right if 10 20 30 percent of small businesses started doing this it should be 100 percent. they start doing this look I know a lot of people from the uh, acting industry, voiceover industry, because I was in that business for a while. Those folks, if they know that they're going to be replaced by artificial intelligence robot puppet actors and AI voices and everything, they should be getting together and pushing back. A lot of them have decent-sized followings, whatever their niche is, on social media. If they started putting out, hey, folks, boycott this new audio book, it was done by an AI narrator, people would actually listen to them. This is just the people starting to stand up. Once you realize you're being replaced, once you realize it's a war on humanity, folks need to come together and start pushing back against the system. This is what the actual revolution is, including withdrawing from the system and getting a homestead. That That is fighting back. That's revolting against the system because you say, I have the courage to live outside of your system. I reject mindless soulless consumerism and materialism i don't need all this stuff you don't want to pollute folks stop buying a new car uh, every year you don't want to pollute? Stop buying the plastic water bottles at the store. Go buy. I do not have an affiliate link for these guys. They're not a sponsor. I just happen to know this one because it's what Jim uses. Uh, go buy a Berkey water filter for three to $500. Start filtering your water, putting it in glass jugs. It's safer that way. All right, and then store the glass jugs in like a cool dark place in the garage or something or your basement. Start drinking the water that way and stop buying the plastic bottles. You could actually stop real pollution that way and stop polluting your body by drinking water that comes in petroleum-based bottles. All right, we're actually going to start doing this. All right, let's move on to the next section. It says human suffering. Paragraph 167. The industrial system will not break down purely as a result of revolutionary action. It will not be vulnerable to revolutionary attack unless its own internal problems of development lead it into very serious difficulties. So, if the system breaks down, it will do so either spontaneously or through a process that is in part spontaneous but helps along by revolutionaries if the breakdown is sudden many people will die since the world's population has become so overblown that it cannot even feed itself any longer without advanced technology now this is true okay this is true and i brought this up to folks i know there is a constant debate on overpopulation versus The population is fine versus depopulation versus genocide, you know, all this stuff. But if we all want to eat natural foods, you know, clean grass fed beef, natural vegetables and everything else in the system we live in now, that may not be possible. So all the GMO foods they're building these now uh, you know, sky rise uh, garden farms, you know, where they have a hundred levels and they're growing all these GMO foods inside there. They're moving things over to lab grown meat, 3D printed meat, all this kind of stuff. Uh, Cricket uh, powder, you know, I mean, you've heard it all. Well, that's them saying, okay, we're overpopulated and this is how we're going to continue to feed you fools. Now, whether that's true or not true, who knows? They've regulated all the small farmers out of business. They're always trying to attack the local organic farmers. They got Bill Gates going in there, people like that buying up the farmland, trying to block you or I from getting homesteads and growing our own food. So there's clearly an attack. They don't want us to do that. Uh, But as he said, right now in the world we live in, this is 28 years ago, but in the world we live in today, if the system broke down tomorrow, like we just said, if there's an electrical grid outage, let's say they don't orchestrate it and there's real electrical grid outage, outage. All right. What are people going to do? Where's the food going to come from for people that don't grow it? I mean, people that even grow it, you're going to have a bunch of hoarders coming to your property, so you're going to have to deal with that. It goes on to say, even if the breakdown is gradual enough so that reduction of the population can occur more through lowering of the birth rate than through elevation of the death rate, the process of deindustrialization probably will be very chaotic and involve much suffering. It is naive to think that it likely that uh, it is naive to think likely that technology can be phased out in a smoothly managed, orderly way, especially since the technophiles will fight stubbornly at every step. Is it therefore cruel to work for the breakdown of the system? Maybe, but maybe not. In the first place, revolutionaries will not be able to break the system down unless it is already in enough trouble so that there would be a good chance of its eventually breaking down by itself anyway. And the bigger the system grows, the more disastrous the consequences of its breakdown will be. So it may be that revolutionaries, by hastening the onset of the breakdown, will be reducing the extent of the disaster see really interesting because he brings this up earlier in the paper and we covered it here that if you end up in a situation where the technocracy continues to grow the more people that are reliant on the technocracy to survive to live because they can't live without the internet they can't live without electricity they can't live without the supply chain you know grocery stores operating correctly then if the system broke down overnight which, which all it would take is a solar flare that blows out the electrical grid, um, for real, and not orchestrated by the technocrats, which is divine intervention, then a lot of people are going to die because they can't survive more than a couple days uh, without the system that they're accustomed to living in. You know, They're living inside of a Petri dish, and all of a sudden, you dump acid into the Petri dish, uh, those people can no longer survive. I mean, look, I'm not some uh, prepper at this point. I probably wouldn't survive very long either. Maybe maybe a little bit more because I kind of have an idea what's coming. I've thought it through, but maybe only a matter of days or weeks, not a matter of uh, years if the system goes down. And most of the preppers I know, they have designed their life around being able to survive for a month or two if the grid goes down with the hopes of them being able to get things back up and running. They're not actually prepared to live forever Uh, in an rv underground breathing through a bendy straw Um, let's continue paragraph 168 in the second place one has to balance struggle and death against the loss of freedom and dignity To many of us, freedom and dignity are more important than a long life or avoidance of physical pain. Besides, we all have to die sometime. And it may be better to die fighting for survival or for a cause than to live a long but empty and purposeless life. All right, and so this is basically live life as a slave or die fighting for freedom. I'm not advocating that people go out there again, and ride into Washington, D.C. on a horse with a musket. Like, don't be stupid about this. I'm not telling you to uh, martyr yourself for the cause. I just want to spark people to start to think about exiting the system and really trying to understand exactly what this system is. Again, the history of it, where we are present day, where it's going in the future. You know, what the technocrats are trying to engineer and how you can try to engineer yourself out of it. It's not a foregone conclusion. I don't believe that you have to live life as a slave to the system. I think you just have to change your way of thinking. Stop believing that you are a victim of the system and start to figure out how to exit the system and how to encourage others to start to revolt against the system without actually having to teach them all of this stuff. Do it in ways like Wide Awake Jim is doing. Start to plant the seed. Start saying to stores, hey, why don't you use more cash? When you see things you don't like, like them replacing uh, waiters and waitresses in the, in the restaurants, replacing them with QR code menus and robots, um, start to push back against that. Bring it up. Don't get in a fight. Just say, I'm not going to come here anymore. Uh, Wait until they tell you that they try to hire all the time and nobody wants to work. Paragraph 169. In the third place, it is still not at all certain that survival of the system will lead to less suffering than breakdown of the system would. The system is already caused and is continuing to cause immense suffering all over the world. Ancient cultures that for hundreds of years gave people a satisfactory relationship with each other and with their environment have been shattered by contact with industrial society and the result has been a whole catalog of economic, environmental, social and psychological problems. One of the effects of the intrusion of industrial society um has been that over much of the world traditional controls on population have been thrown out of balance hence the population explosion with all that implies Then there is the psychological suffering that is widespread throughout the supposedly fortunate countries of the West. See paragraphs 44 to 45. No one knows what will happen as a result of ozone depletion the greenhouse gas effect and other environmental problems that cannot yet be foreseen and as nuclear proliferation has shown new technology cannot be kept out of the hands of dictators and irresponsible third world nations would you like to speculate about what iraq or north korea will do with genetic engineering now interesting that he brings up iraq and north korea with genetic engineering look what the united states is trying to do with genetic engineering but of course this is written in So he obviously has to miss uh, some things, folks. Look at what the first world countries are doing with genetic engineering. Of course, we're the ones pushing it forward, and we're to believe that China has actually been using it with CRISPR-Cas9 and everything else. But I'm glad he brings this up, and then he's talking about this economic terrorism that we've discussed here on the show with International Monetary Fund World Bank, uh, backed by the Bank for International Settlements, going into these primitive cultures and then uh, strapping these people up with debt, pushing them into a consumer materialistic society. That's what he's talking about here with these ancient cultures and primitive folks that are being driven into consumeristic society and then destroying them. All because industrial society came in, and that's what Wide Awake Jim has been talking about, that a lot of this stuff about hijacking the southern hemisphere, that's all about coming in and industrializing those countries, uh, under the guise of saving them from climate change, I thought you said industrialization is what caused the climate change. The CO2 emissions is what's causing the climate change. Yet now we're supposed to believe you go into mud hut communities and build uh, wells for them and coal mines and everything, and that's going to help them somehow escape the climate change? It, it just doesn't make sense, folks. These, these people are criminals. They're scammers. They're schemers. They're grifters. They're control freaks. And that's what we are seeing unfold all around us. When I get back, let's talk more about this revolution against the system. My name is Dustin Gold of the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. More listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv.